Hello and welcome to Every Word Jesus Spoke, the podcast that tries to wrestle with every single word Jesus spoke in the New Testament, talk about what it meant in its original context, and what it might mean for us today. I'm one of your hosts, Reverend Jonathan Kleinsmith. With me, as always, as always. is the Reverend Dr. Dighton L.O. And how's it going, Dighton? It's going good. Today so we're starting uh, to bite off more than we can chew. <laughs> Not that we've done that before. But I mean, yeah, it's probably fair to say every, every episode, episode we is, bite off more than but we can this chew. This one particularly so. So today we are starting a 10-part series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and you can find that collection of teachings starting in Matthew 5 and going all the way through uh, Matthew 7. Uh, and so it is a beast of teachings. It is uh, the largest collection of teachings of Jesus we have all in one place, back to back to back. If you know, we talk about those red letters. If you are a if you are reading the Bible looking for the red letters of that's the words of Jesus, this is probably one of the biggest chunks you'll find in your Bible. That's a, it is a lot. Part one, the setup. And uh so yeah, uh, well, I guess we could talk about what we need to know. The characters <laughs> that you've got this week are mainly just Jesus and a crowd, right? Right. I mean, this is at the very beginning of his ministry. Um, you know, if you look back in chapter four, Jesus begins his ministry uh, in a public way in Galilee. Um, and um, now he's called his first disciples and is beginning his kind of his public ministry. And so he starts off, at least in Matthew, by giving us a taste of his his teachings. Right. Now, and it should be said, I, I, you know, in Matthew, we have this block of teaching all together in one spot. But we also see those teachings sprinkled throughout other parts of the Gospels. And so it seems likely that there was probably more than one teaching event where right. Jesus would have espoused these things, right? Yeah, this isn't one big lecture he gives. It's it's a collection in one, like you said, in one spot. Right. And and you know, and there's some key differences too. Like in Luke, he doesn't say blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. He just says blessed are the poor. Are the poor. Yeah. And and so we have probably we have multiple teaching events. Um they're all recorded in this one place. And it could have happened as one sermon. It could have been uh all back to back to back. But the point uh, is that this is the core of Jesus's teaching, right? Right. Yeah. This is this is the the foundation of his life and his ministry right here in one spot. Uh, so don't get hung up on was this one one event that went on for you know however long, but um, uh, keep in mind this is the foundation, the core of his life and teaching being laid out. And, and so for the you know. For the early church, for the primitive church, the, the that generation or two right after the church starts, this is really an important piece of of uh, scripture, right? Like right. that, you know, um, we kind of today we look at like oh the Ten Commandments or John chapter three or right yeah, but but this was taught in the early churches as as important, and the Beatitudes were memorized like the Ten Commandments, right? Right. right. Yeah, you know, now we have these arguments about the Ten Commandments being posted in public, mm -hmm. or you don't hear that about the Beatitudes. Well, yeah, 
place the Beatitudes in courtrooms or, right. or other places. Right. But yeah. So, uh, and and we we use that word a little bit uh, prematurely, I guess. I, I I dropped the word beatitude without even talking about what that is, but that's the section we're dealing with today. Uh, what is a beatitude? It is a blessing, and in fact, you know, he uses the word, or the word is used in each beatitude. Blessed are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a beatitude is a is a word of blessing, a word of, uh, yeah, blessing of hope, of favor. And we're going to see uh, this section uh, is particularly uh, verses three through twelve that uh, that the blessings might be a little bit counterintuitive uh, in they some ways. They do sound counterintuitive, so, very much so. Oh, we will get into that. So, uh, is there anything else you want to add to the background uh, of this before we we dive into the scriptures themselves? No, I mean I think we've covered it pretty well. You you're going to have. Of course, Jesus and the crowd, which would be made up of, you know, a variety of people, including his disciples, mm-hmm. but uh, probably a lot of curious people wondering who this Messiah or this so-called Messiah may be and uh, what his teachings are. So, Part two, the red letters. All right. So uh, we are going to go ahead and read those red letters then, starting in Matthew 5, uh, starting with verse 1 and going through verse 12. So uh, today I'm reading from the NIV, the New International Version. Uh, and uh, yeah, we don't really care what version re- you read That's from right. as long as you can as understand you read one. it. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so here we go, Matthew 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, yeah. Part 3 digging deeper. So uh, not much going on there. No, no. This will be a pretty short uh, podcast. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, so yeah, we, we uh, enter into this section of blessings. But before we do that, uh, Jesus sits down, which is the traditional teaching method right. of a, a rabbi towards his disciples. Um, and then he lays into it. So in, 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 in those those teachings, uh, what sticks out to you first, uh, Dighton? Well, I mean, of course, the word blessed is uh, runs throughout all of each of the Beatitudes. And uh, there are different ways to interpret the word blessed or blessed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, who was it that years ago some preacher uh, used to uh, say you could substitute the word happy for blessed, but... I don't like that. I mean, who likes to be, uh, you know, happy that they are mourning or happy that they are being persecuted? So I think a better word for blessed is 
favored. So mm-hmm. you could go through there and say, favored are the poor in spirit, or favored are those who mourn. God shows favor toward those who are grieving or those who are meek um, and merciful and so on. Uh, for me, that's a that's a shift in the way I think about it. It's, yeah. not, it's not happiness because happiness is fleeting. Um, but right. this is, this is um, I mean, Jesus is telling us that being blessed is an act of God. It's not something we do or earn or mm-hmm. being favored uh, is an act of God toward us. So um, I, I prefer to read these as favored are, and you fill in the blank, uh, rather than blessed or happy. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, William Barclay uh, was a Bible scholar in the, the 60s and 70s. Uh, he would say, uh, oh, the bliss. Yeah, yeah like, the bliss. Of that, that's, uh, that's what, uh, you know, like, uh, for instance, 5-7, uh, he would say, oh, the bliss of the man who gets right inside other uh, people until he can see with their eyes and think with their thoughts and feel their feelings, <laughs> right? Like, like um he does that with every beatitude. It's like, a, oh, the bliss. And um, it doesn't seem like a very blissful situation right. just going through the list, right? We, we start with blessed are the poor in spirit. What is that? Yeah, I mean, like you said, is it in Mark that he says just blessed are the poor? Right. And here he says blessed are the poor in spirit, which is um, um, being completely, how do I want to say that, completely helpless. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, the Greek word for poor that is used here is, what's that Greek word? Uh, tekos, I think it is. Tekos. That means utterly dependent on God. Mm-hmm. You know you have nothing without God's favor uh, being being poured on you. So so you could say, blessed are or poor, uh, favored are those who are utterly dependent on God. They have nothing. Um, and so theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is kind of setting up a, a dichotomy sort of thing here, or a juxtaposition. Blessed are those who have nothing, for they will be given everything. Right. Well, and it's probably important to say that uh, even though Luke says, uh, blessed are the poor, and Matthew's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, they're not mutually exclusive, right? Right, that's right. You know? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, and even if it, it was recorded from the same teaching, you know, it's kind of like uh, I took notes uh very poorly when I was in college and uh, my classmates took notes in a different way. But even the classmates that would take good notes, if you looked at both of their sets of notes, they would take different things out of it. Right. right? So um, Luke says, blessed are the poor. Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. uh, They both witnessed Jesus probably multiple times. um, And probably Jesus's teaching even changed with this context. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Right. So if you're speaking to, to a a crowd of folks that were actually poor uh, saying blessed are the poor makes sense. Makes a little more sense. Uh, But if you were talking to a crowd that needed to learn the lesson of humility, um, which when I read blessed are the poor in spirit, I I kind of see that as a a humility type of thing, right? Like of having the right attitudes toward God, realizing your place, so to speak, um, then then it would probably be a little bit different, right? Um, And so... Either way, I think we can see that uh, that it doesn't make sense from the world's standpoint to say that you're blessed right. in that situation. Yeah, it makes no sense. All of the well, most of these uh, are are like you said, counterintuitive. They just don't make sense at first blush. Um, uh, 
but I mean, that's who Jesus is. And he's reflecting uh, what his ministry will be um, here uh, with all of the Beatitudes. Uh, but that's a good point. I mean, it could be, they're not mutually exclusive. Well, and so let's take, let's take out that second Beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Uh, that seems counterintuitive. That does seem a little, a little hard to swallow. <laughs> but yeah, blessed are those who mourn. Uh, mourn for what? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the the word the word mourn literally means unrestrained grief. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of just uncontrollable grief. Uh, but for what? Well, that um, probably includes a lot of things. Uh, favored or blessed are those who who have unrestrained grief about their own sinfulness or their own brokenness um, or the sufferings of others. Um, I think for me, I I mean, for me, I take away blessed are those who have this uncontrollable or unrestrained grief for those who are brokenhearted um, uh, for they will inherit the earth uh, or or me for they will be comforted. Um, So I think this has to be uh, mourning for our sins, the sin of humanity, for those who are suffering, um, and 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 that's where we find comfort. Is uh, like you said, it's kind of counterintuitive. You find comfort in the midst of mourning or grieving. Yeah, I think this is uh, particularly striking in our culture, where we tend to minimize grief. Right. Yeah. Uh, we... You know, I uh, I have a friend who lost his mother recently, and. You know, he's back to work already and he he's, was sort of talking about it online like, um, you know, how much, you know, I'm just expected to get over it. You know, yeah. I got to go back to work and uh, we kind of do that. Right. Like we, do, yeah. we 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 have a culture where mourning is is sort of looked down on. But the Hebrews did not. Right. The 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 culture that that Jesus is born into has a robust tradition for mourning. Right. Like, um sitting shiva for a week yeah, goes for days yeah right. you know um <laughs> they they would uh have profound and ritualized ways of dealing with with mourning um that we don't quite understand today yeah it's like they wouldn't grieve and go back to work right i mean they're going to grieve for a solid week and do nothing but like you said sitting shiva for a week they would sit and grieve um and and the idea of being distracted from your grief or going back to work so you're not distracted by your right. grief was unheard of. Um, and I think that's a healthier way to deal right. with it than the way we often deal with it in our culture is, well, we grieve, let's go back to work and move on with life. A lot of times that comes back to haunt you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have to deal with it later. You you will deal with you, grief one way eventually. Or that's right. right. One way you, or another. You, uh, you can't get around it. It's, it's, it's kind of a, um, you know, it's a universal human experience mm-hmm. uh, that we will all experience grief at some point. And, uh, and, and that there's just no getting around it. Um, I, I'm kind of comforted by this, uh, even if we don't spiritualize it necessarily. Right. Like, right. Um, the idea that uh, mourning is a good thing. And, and part of the reason is because we'll be comforted. Like there's a temporal in the now aspect of that. Like if you if you are grieving, having a friend there or a family member there to grieve with you is is a beautiful, um, right. loving, uh, wholesome act, and and it, it's necessary and 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 it's holy. Um, but 
you know, with scripture and, and you know, we're, we, it's kind of easy to use scriptures from later to, to analyze scriptures in the now, but, um, you know, Revelation says in Revelation uh, 21 or 22, it's, uh, there will be no more mourning, right? right? Because God will be there and he wipe, he'll wipe every tear from our eyes, right? So ultimately, we know that mourning has its solution in, in God. Right. And, you know, mourning isn't something that uh, uh, many of us get over quickly, right? Right. So it yeah. may be years before we deal with it or, or uh, kind of work through it, if we ever actually get over it. Right. But there is that idea of... of uh, something good coming out of your grief or your mourning if, uh, you know, a family is brought closer together because of it, or, um, you know, you get a new outlook on what is really important in your life. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's that, although that does sound counterintuitive, there are some, uh, there are some blessings, as Jesus says, to grieving or to mourning. Right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so you know, we could talk about that all day. We could talk about each one of these each all of day, these. <laughs> but we decided to, to uh, bite off more than we yeah, choose. Just so plow right we'll just it. go straight on to the next <laughs> beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Yeah, this one for me, this is the one about humility. Uh, the word meek uh, has this idea in it of being of being humble or gentle. Yeah, but gentle not, for sure. Yeah, gentle, but not. Uh, uh, you know, not a doormat, but certainly you know your place uh, in the order of things. Um, was it was it Barclay or one of the other commentators uh, talks about meekness being uh, strength under control? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you you're angry at the right time, but you're never angry at the wrong time. You you know how to control that that uh, uh, that strength and that anger. Um, so meekness has to do with gentleness. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that uh, that Greek word praus, praus, praus. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a it's a word that's used when they're talking about livestock, right? Sometimes, like a yes, like an animal yeah. who is strong, uh, but who also whose strength is 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 measured is under control. You write about Barclay. I actually wrote it in my study Bible. Uh, uh, the uh, the, the word could mean balance between too much or too little. Right. right? Yeah, the balance. It could mean an animal who has learned to accept control. Um, it connotes uh, controlled strength rather than weakness. Um, and then Barclay also said, as you said at the beginning, one who is truly humble. So the idea, you know, we automatically equate meekness with weakness, I think, because they sound similar. They sound so much alike. In, in yeah. English. Uh, but uh, to be meek is not to say I'm weak. It's to say I have strength. And I'm using it in the right way. Yeah, being an appropriate way. And that doesn't mean raging out of control, <laughs> uh, but actually using it in a measured way when it's needed, which is maybe a lesson that modern Christians could learn. They a could bit. relearn that. Yeah, but yeah, there's Barclay that does talk about that animal under control. Um, yeah, the Greek word prautes or whatever it is now uh, about uh, that measured strength. Mm -hmm. It's never raging. Uh, it's learned to accept uh, the control. Uh, so, it, it, like you said, I, I think you could substitute easily. Blessed are the the humble or the gentle. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, th I think gentle would be my preferred word. Right, I think so too. Um, and they will inherit the earth. Right, and when when he's when they say earth, uh, you know, we think of like cosmos, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Like uh, they will inherit all of creation, but. 
probably he's talking about the land, right? Like exactly. Yeah. The the usable. The usable, farmable. Uh, yeah, that's right. There's a lot there, but we got to move on some more. Yeah, well, I'm sure we've covered it all. <laughs> yeah. uh, so next, uh, verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Yeah, righteousness is, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, this is a, I think you could substitute the word justice for righteousness, or at least the idea mm-hmm. of righteousness is justice. Um, and um, uh, in Greek, it is uh the implication or the idea is a total hunger and thirst for what is right, right. and what is just. Um, it's not about, it's, this has nothing to do with being uh, personally pious mm-hmm. um, or, or thinking of yourself as a do-gooder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's, it is this, this heartfelt driven drivenness for what is right, right to do what is right, to attain what is right, to work for what is right. Um, uh, at this, well, like he says here, the image is hungering and thirsting for. Right, and, and this it's, is at a time when, like, as modern Americans, like, uh, hungering and thirsting might that actually is not a great metaphor yeah. most of the time because most of us don't experience don't know it. what that is but uh, in Jesus's day and and, and again we're we're relying on Barclay a lot but uh Barclay you know it right. pointed out in, in Jesus's day your average uh person in the region is living on the brink of starvation right right uh, exactly you know so. that the Romans are oppressive with their taxation they they're limiting diets in in certain ways um and so uh to, to hunger and thirst for something, it wouldn't just be like a theoretical for Jesus. He's, right. He's literally saying something that you need uh, to survive, right? Like you're craving justice right. like you would like crave you, something like you, you need crave to survive. Food or water. Right. You you have that physical craving. Right. And, and the promise that goes with that is that you'll be filled. That's right. You'll be filled. I mean, his hearers would have gotten that one right away this this physical reaction of hunger or thirst uh, but instead of hungering or thirsting just for food or water you're hungering for something greater and that's righteousness um and it and and the promise is you'll be filled right and so then we transition from there we kind of transition away from the beatitudes that would have been counterintuitive right to, to jesus's listeners to the ones that just would have made them mad. <laughs> just really uh, upset everybody. Right. In, in verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Oh, yeah. What's the what's the Greek word for mercy? Or the Hebrew word for mercy is uh, chesed. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, like loving kindness. Loving kindness. Yeah, yeah loving kindness. Uh, which means, you know, among other things, means we refuse to take, uh, oh, what do I want to say? Like venge- vengeance against uh-huh. someone yeah. or punishment towards someone. And we actually perform acts of mercy, like you know, kindness, forgiveness, generosity, whatever those acts of mercy. Wait, though, even to my enemy? Even to your, especially to our enemies, which really upsets everybody. Um, but I mean, mercy is the is the flip side of the of the coin of grace. Mm-hmm. You know, grace saves us, or grace offers us what we do not deserve. Mercy saves us from what we do deserve. All right. And and here he's. He's talking about uh, uh, actually doing acts of mercy toward others, especially your enemies, um, uh, but not taking vengeance. 
Right. And, and, uh, and, and this would have been particularly relevant to this crowd because they're, they are, uh, they feel like they're God's chosen people. They, uh, they feel like, uh, the, uh, they've been oppressed by this non godly, uh, in fact, anti godly, uh, force of pagans that's holding them under their thumbs. And they have personal vendettas against these empires that are holding them down right now, it's the Romans, but it's been other empires in the past. Right. And they feel like those people deserve what they are going to get. And in probably, uh, you know, uh, Jesus uh, will talk about, we'll get into in this podcast later. Uh, he'll talk about the day of the Lord. Right? Uh, right. And, and for the, the, the average Jewish person in, in this point in, in Jewish history, they're hoping that the day of the Lord is a day of terror yeah, for, for, their enemies, for their enemies, right? That's right. They will be exalted. They will be, uh, you know, justified, but their enemies are going to be you know, cast down and, right. you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth. And uh, yeah, that's what they're, that's what they're hoping for. And so then, this is one of those, like you said, this is one of those beatitudes that would have just made everybody angry. Right. <laughs> there, there's uh there's uh there's, there's not a lot of sense in what you're saying right now, Jesus. It, yeah. does, it doesn't work for me. Are drunk? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. Do you know uh, what the Romans have been up it to? It certainly doesn't mean merciful toward the Romans, right. but toward each other. <laughs> right. Exactly. And moving on, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Yeah. Uh, it sounds easy. We can that move sounds past like, that one. Yeah, just next. Yeah, I mean, next. The, the word pure, the Greek word pure is uh, katharos. Um, and it, it refers to being unmixed in your motives. Mm -hmm. So this being pure in heart has to do with our motives. Why mm -hmm. do we do the things we do? You know, do we do things so we get recognized for it? Do we do things for a reward uh, or, you know, for some selfish motive? Um, so for me, he's saying blessed or favor are those who are unmixed in their motives mm -hmm. for they will see God because God is pure. Um, so they, they, they will get to see God because of their, their, uh, purity, their catharos. Well, and, and what's interesting about this is, is, uh, that, um, you know, in, in the, the, the religion of the day, there was such a, an emphasis on external purity. Uh, and Jesus is right. again, flipped the switch pure in, in heart. heart, right? It's not just about your outward appearance. It's also about what's going on on your right. interior. And we'll see that again. Jesus will come back to that. Like the, this interior transformation is an important part of following him. And that's what he called out the Pharisees on at one point. You know, right. You're, you're like polished on the outside, but inside, you know, you're, you're just filthy. You're, you're disgusting. You're disgusting. Uh, and then again, some more of this offensive stuff. Uh, <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I, I think, uh, you know, that, that term peacemaker, we often think of it, oh yeah, blessed are you if you, you know, if you don't uh, pursue violence. Right. That's not what he's That's saying. That's not what he's saying. Yeah. This is a, you know, we have the, the, the English word irenic, which means, which refers to peace. That's the mm -hmm. Greek word irene, which uh, has to do with, uh, uh, in Hebrew thinking, it's not just the absence of evil or the absence of bad, it's the presence of good. Uh, so blessed are the peacemakers, those who are working toward mm -hmm. what is good right? Uh, and not just trying to avoid what is wrong. Right. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's, 
it's not just peace loving good grief everybody loves peace right <laughs> now we gotta he's telling we have to work for it we have to make peace um and so this is the, this idea of peacemaking is the the same concept of shalom right it's not the just presence the of presence of all that is good hell, yeah um, not just the absence of bad right right and so when when we want to call ourselves peacemakers today we can't just be searching for the absence of conflict we have to be searching for that everything might be made right in the world right in every situation. and we have to work toward that. yeah yeah that's uh that's a whole lot harder that's, yeah, avoiding I mean, punching something. Right, it's easy to be peace loving. Right, <laughs> that's easy. The hard part is actually making peace. All right, and then we get to the you know we, we've 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 offended people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've we've showed them things that are counterintuitive, and then we get to the parts where where Jesus's followers have to be like, no, nah, Jesus, that's just crazy. Now so that, yeah, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were yeah, before you. Exactly. Prophets not accepted in his own home. Uh, yeah, I mean, 10, what's that? 10, 11, and 12 are dealing with the uh, um, this idea of persecution. He's right. given us a heads up. I mean, you're, you're going to be my follower. You're going to be persecuted. Uh, we don't know what persecution means in our right, culture, right. but for for you know for Jesus' disciples uh, and for Jesus himself, it had to do with being mocked and scorned and rejected by your family and your friends, beaten, uh, put to death. I mean, right. read Fox's Book of Martyrs to see see understand what persecution is. Um, but uh, um, if you are persecuted for righteousness or persecuted for being a follower of Jesus, um, you know, Jesus says you're showing loyalty. So, yeah, I mean, we, we see uh, this, you know, ultimate counterintuitive thing. That, yes. Yeah. That, that we are we are going to be blessed when everything is going terrible because of what we've done. <laughs> yeah. And and the promise is, I mean, the good news, if, if you can find good news in there, he states it pretty clearly. Uh, if our persecution shows our loyalty to Jesus, that we're joining this great company of, of the saints who've gone before us, the prophets, the martyrs uh, who've gone before us, um, uh, which leads us to encourage those who follow after us because we can let them know just as we have uh, been, uh, has been made known to us, we're not alone in our suffering. Right. So we have this great cloud of witnesses, so to speak, uh, in our persecution. Well, and and, uh, and 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 that leads us to this great reward in heaven. And you could almost sum up the Beatitudes in, in that way, even though each has its its own particular uh, promise. Um, really, the ultimate fulfillment of all of those promises lies beyond this life. This right, life, right, right. Um, there are good things in store. There is hope. There is even uh, there are even things we ought to be rejoicing about. But the ultimate payoff might not be in this life. Exactly, and and we're impatient people, so, right? So we have to uh, uh, have to be patient and wait because it may not come, right? Uh, in this time, right? And so, um, is there anything you would like to break down about any of those beatitudes that we didn't cover just now? No, I think I think we covered everything. Right? Yeah, I think there's no more to be learned. Right. Uh, 
Uh, of course not. I mean, I think um, uh, I think we've covered it pretty well for what we've done. But uh, uh, remember, in all those things, we are favored, right, by God. Right. I uh, I think it's a it's the case in this particular set of podcasts that um, we are um, we are we could break down half of each verse every week oh, sure. and still not have enough time. Right. Uh, you know, but, uh, but the overall, uh, the overall teaching, you know, we, we, ha- we don't want this to take 500 episodes. We'd like it to be done in like a hundred, maybe it <laughs> won't be, <laughs> but, be. Uh, but we would, uh, we would be remiss if we were not able to, uh, to cover these, uh, this block of teachings. Part three, digging deeper. Um, so let's talk about the modern application. Is there, is there any? <laughs> uh, I think all of them could be applied to, uh, you know, here and now. I mean, oh, you mentioned earlier, uh, we could all be more poor in spirit. We could right. all be more uh, uh, meek or gentle uh, or, or uh, loving kindness toward others. Uh, so I, and, you know, um, I can think of very few teachings that are as clearly applicable today as as they were back then, as as the Beatitudes and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount um, that we've seen. I mean, I think every one of these are applicable for today. Yeah, I mean, and uh, like this is the core, the essence of what followers of Jesus Christ look like, right? Exactly. This, like if you're looking for, uh, you know, besides what we believe about Christ's divinity and, and, and what we believe about salvation and what we believe about the cross, if you're looking about like what are the actions and attitudes of a person who wants to be a follower of Jesus Christ, like I would point to two things, right? I'd, I'd look at, the, you know, uh, outside of this book, I'd look at the fruits of the, the spirit that are, right. that are talked about later on. Um, but then I would I would talk about the beatitudes, the the way that we live according to these precepts. Um, and one thing I didn't say about the the uh, the Sermon on the Mount as a whole earlier, uh, when I teach this class, I kind of look at how it's been interpreted throughout history, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you know, early on, it was it was kind of just taken at face value, and then by the time we get to uh, you know. Uh, you know the the solidification of of the church as a uh, as a as a bureaucratic body, right? Uh, the the time of Constantine. By the time we get there, uh, the, they sort of considered the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, that's something that you know only uh, pastors, right? Only priests, yeah, priests have to live clergy, up to those yeah. <laughs> standards, right? Um, and then uh, uh, you know by the time it got to Martin Luther. Uh, he was he was like well uh, the the sermon on the mount uh is 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 you know he, he had his tendency to divide everything into uh uh law and gospel right right and he said well the sermon on the mount is just more law it's something you could never live up <laughs> never to, live up to never attain right yeah. and, then, and then some modern you know more modern uh philosophies like dispensationalism uh they kind of lump the sermon on the mount as well, we can't live up to it yet, but one day we'll be able yeah, to live up to it. Yeah, it's kind of aspirational sort of right. thing. Right. When, 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 uh, whenever we're finally done being sanctified, uh, we can do this. This will be the time when we can do it. But, but that's not 
That's not that's how Methodists. Not, that's uh, not how we look at it. That's not how we look at it. This is something we strive for every day. Right. Um, and I think uh, a lot of a lot of denominations and other Christians, you know, they look at this and say this is something um, that we should strive for every day. We don't get it right a lot of the time, most of the time, but um, it's still something we strive for. Um, I mean, you could, you know, how the the monks and the monasteries had their own rules, like yeah. the rule of St. Benedict and rule of whatever. Right. This could be a, a rule unto itself for a, uh, uh, any believer. Uh, this and the, or the fruits of the Spirit. This is how we're going to live. Uh, this is what we're called to do or to be. Uh, and so this is one that we could spend our entire careers as pastors right. on 5, 1 through 12. <laughs> right. <laughs> and certainly, certainly the entire three chapters of the of the uh, of the uh, sermon on the mount but uh yeah i mean if you if you wanted to know what a good christian is or what the ideal christian is this is the model right and and it's uh it looks a lot less like what uh, our popular renditions of christianity in today's society look like right. it's actually humble and it's meek and it's uh, it's willing to uh, put up with persecution and hardship in order that it might it might gain the ultimate right. prize. Right. It's willing to uh, to embrace mourning uh, to because it passionately, deeply cares about the things around it. Right. right. Like it, it's it's a lot different than what we expect. And it's not aspirational. It's, right. It's commanded that's right yeah it's expected that's yeah. right that's true and and we need to be reminded you know again we're using scripture to interpret scripture uh but you know this is not something that it's it's all about um i have to do this uh, on my own but but christ actually promises us right in john 15 other places we're promised the spirit of god will dwell in us right. as we're followers of jesus and that it will help us to do these help things. us do these things it's not like we're on our own um, or if we fail, we can't try again. Uh, but yeah, the, the Spirit's been given to us to help us uh, do these things. Right. And uh, and therefore we can. Now, uh, you know, we as Wesleyan Arminian Methodist Christians, uh, <laughs> our particular brand, uh, you know, Wesley would say we're being made perfect in love and that even if we are, uh, are doing as well as we can spiritually, that sometimes our flesh will cause us to unintentionally uh. sin. But uh, but the point is is what we're striving for, not necessarily our results all the time. Right, right. This is a process, uh, like sanctification in Wesley's mm -hmm. term. It's a process. Right. So uh, I guess our advice, if you're looking for a modern application, is uh, start the process, <laughs> continue with the process. Right. Don't forget that God is helping you That's with the right. process. And if you fail, get up and start again. Right, and you're in good company. Yes, yeah, we, we all do too. it. That's right. All right. Well, any final words you'd like to add to uh, to this great exposition that we've already uh, what thrown out What words could we possibly add to Jesus's own words? Uh, so I think we, I think just like you said, get out there and live it. And if you fail, get up and try again. That's a good word to end on. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. If you'd like, uh, you could share this podcast with your friends on social media. You could go to iTunes and give us a rating that helps others to find it. If you are listening from anywhere around the world, we appreciate you. We found out recently that we have 
followers in or people that are listening in the UAE and Germany Amazing. and uh, different parts of the United States. And so I don't know uh, how you found us or why, but we uh, we, we, we thank appreciate you for, that. for listening and appreciate it. Our, our only goal in this podcast is that people might hear the words of Christ uh, and reflect on them. So we hope that you have enjoyed this and we want you to know we are we are thankful for you and uh, you are a blessing to us as well. So thanks, guys. We will see you next see time. See you next week. This podcast is a ministry of Chapel Hill United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, go to mychapelhill.org.